Everyone is talking about digital transformation, but we hope this is not uh, an empty suitcase, something that everyone is carrying around, but no one knows what's inside it. Welcome to BMC's Digital Outliers, a podcast series where some of our industry's brightest minds examine the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace and how companies can find the right blueprint to successfully become digital powerhouses. In this episode, host Brian Solis, best-selling author and principal analyst at the Altimeter Group, speaks with David Rogers of Columbia University and author of the Digital Transformation Playbook about why the biggest challenge facing modern enterprises is organizational rather than technological, and the five strategies every company must embrace if their transformation efforts are to succeed. Welcome back to another episode where we explore digital transformation and the future of work. And I am just ecstatic at today's guest. He's a longtime friend of mine. We've done a lot of great things together at the Pivot Conference. We uh, we share similar interests in the research and, and in our own uh, professional work. So please help me welcome David Rogers, who's a professor at Columbia University. He's the author of the Digital Transformation Playbook. Let's uh, start by giving the audience a bit of a background on what you're doing and most importantly, what what you're focusing on these days. Sure. Well, you know, I teach at Columbia Business School, as you mentioned. My teaching uh, for years now has been with with our executive program. So I'm I'm spending my time not so much with MBAs, but with global executives from all over the world who want to come to a top business school for just a few days to dive into very pressing challenges, you know, things that they have to deal with strategically, leadership, uh, organizational change, you know, on Monday when they get back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you know, my my kind of focus for, for many years has been on digital marketing and also on sort of digital business strategy, uh, innovation, business models, and increasingly digital transformation. Uh, and that really became the focus of my latest book, you know, for my work teaching, but also advising companies and, uh, you know, doing research at Columbia on topics ranging from you know, how is marketing measurement changing the era of big data? When are consumers willing to share personal data with one company versus another? What actual business models have been proven for the Internet of Things? Uh, how are mobile behaviors shaping the in-store experience of shoppers? You know, these are the kinds of questions I get to look at in my research. Uh, everything I look at, my interest is always looking at very broad questions and, and, and sort of strategic fundamentals that apply across really different kinds of companies uh, very different industries. You know, what does a Google and a Swiss watchmaker like Movado have in common as they are adapting to consumer behaviors? What does a, a Chinese airline and a top five global book publisher have in common in terms of strategic questions that they're each trying to face? And what I found increasingly, you know, the last few years as I was developing my latest book is this burning question of digital transformation. And it can be a bit of a vague buzzword. I was talking in, in Rome recently on a European book tour and, and my introducer said, uh, everyone is talking about digital Digital transformation, but we hope this is not uh, an empty suitcase. He said something <laughs> that everyone is carrying around, but no one knows what's inside it. <laughs> that was a great metaphor for the dangers of business jargon. Um, so, you know, I set out in, in, in the introduction of my book. I try to to sort of map the scope very, very uh, simply, which is to me, digital transformation is actually a question, and that question is, how does a business that was started before the digital era? Uh, need to adapt if it is going to grow and reach and find its next stage of profitable growth 
in this environment that is incredibly uh, influenced and shaped and driven by digital innovations. Uh, and it's a really different question what I found in working on the book and working with companies than how do you start a, create a startup from scratch? You know, how do you create the next Uber is very different than how do you take a General Electric? How do you take an AT&T? How do you take a New York Times? Uh, and how do you change an organization that already has a business model, has customers, has employees, has an organizational structure, has an organizational culture, and most importantly, as I talk about in the book, as I frame it, has ways of thinking. Just organizations are like people. Our past experiences shape the way that we frame problems and questions. And we have ways of thinking, assumptions that are baked into the way we operate as a business that we are often not even aware of. Uh, and how do we need to uh, shift our thinking as an organization in order to really be able to take advantage of the, the scale, the resources, the customer base, and the advantages of an established enterprise and not let the, the downsides be a hindrance that sort of leaves you, you know, stuck on the tracks like the deer in the headlights. <laughs> well, I've got to say, sounds like your briefcase is full. And, <laughs> <laughs> and let's unpack this because uh, everything you just said, uh, each in their own right, are the very things that executives are struggling with. And if, yeah. if there was one magic uh, formula to be able to solve this. I mean, we would we would have a very different era of business. And one yeah. of the things I, I admire in in your work, and it's it's very similar to the stuff that I do in my digital transformation research, is that you know early on we were we were among the few voices that actually talked about digital transformation outside of a technology focus, uh, or yes. or without it being its primary focus, which yeah. I think was very interesting at the time because early plays in digital transformation were all focused or stemming from IT modernization of the, uh, the technology infrastructure and architecture, but to your point, you know what we're what we're seeing today is this sort of evolution in behavior, whether it's customers or whether it's employees. And the the benefit that startups have is they get to tackle this from scratch, and in many ways they're yeah. responsible for changing or influence uh, influencing behavior. So when you do talk to executives, and for example, in in your new book, as you cite companies that are are going through this transformation, where where do you find transformation? successfully begins? Or how do you get these types of dialogues? Because the point that you're making is we're not just talking about any one aspect of business. We're talking about the just restructure of all business for a digital economy. And that is, that yeah. is just, wow. <laughs> how do you do yeah. that? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I intentionally take, as you said, sort of a broad, a broad brush. I mean, I organize the book around saying, and I say, as you just said, uh, right from the beginning, uh, the key point here, the opening thesis, is that digital transformation is fundamentally not about technology. Point here, the opening thesis, is that digital transformation is fundamentally not about technology. Uh, obviously, you need technology to make things happen, but the challenge for a business that to really transform is not fundamentally a technology challenge. It's an organizational challenge. And it's really changing the way we think. Uh, and so I organized the book around five fundamental domains of strategy that companies need to learn to rethink. And I talk about how we need to change our thinking uh, for the digital era about customers, how we need to change how we think about and define our competition, that we need to change how we think about data and its role in the business. We've always had data, but the role and meaning of data today is very different for organizations in every industry. We need to change how we think about innovation, uh, how we manage innovation, what innovation looks like as a process in the digital era. 
Um, and lastly, we need to change how we define our value. What is our value as a business? Why do we exist? What are we in the business of? And traditionally, that was defined very much by your industry. Um, but of course, today, industry you know boundaries are very, very fluid and porous. I look at each of these and sort of the different strategic precepts and the shifts and sort of how businesses need to, in our thinking, and I show examples of companies that are, you know, traditional companies that are, have shifted their approach to customers, competition, innovation, uh, data and value. It's a little different from one company to another. I was just talking with a biggest, actually, company in Central America, uh, a family-owned huge business in Central America yesterday, and they're in a lot of different business units. And one of the things I stressed to them was, you know, there are different tools. I have a tool in my book for, for self-assessment. Uh, of where you stand currently in terms of strength and weaknesses. But you need to recognize, you know, different companies and in a large firm, even different business units are probably lagging and leading in different areas, right? And and the biggest pressing, pressing problem or the biggest gaps for one might be more about uh, data fluency and analytics and having uh, infrastructure and capability and ways to think quantitatively among your management. Uh, whereas in another, it may be a lack of uh, you've you've missed the boat in terms of a shift in terms of your customers, you know, path to purchase and understanding, you know, their network behaviors. And in another industry or a different business, it may be more about, you know, the challenge is more that you're still innovating uh, based on a process that's from, you know, uh, an outdated mode where the leader, you know, innovation is driven by a few smart people who are deciding in a, in, a, in a conference room and hashing it out and making a decision about the big bet you're going to place versus designing incredibly fast, cheap, uh, effective experiments to identify opportunities and get through failures as quickly, cheaply, and effectively as possible. You're listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to helping you understand the many ways digital technology is transforming the modern workplace. To listen to other podcasts in this series, go to digitaloutliers.com. So, you know, I, I think to your point of not being a magic formula, I try to approach this when I'm working with companies as well as looking, there's a broad terrain here. And part of the question is, you know, what does digital transformation mean for us? What's most pressing? What are the what are the gaps we need to, to bridge uh, most urgently so that you don't just sort of say, well, we're going to spread ourselves really thin and sort of try to do everything or do the opposite, which is uh, to sort of set up some sort of little lab somewhere that's isolated and you give three people an office and, and you know, <laughs> to go off and think big thoughts. I've seen that, you know, that that, that mistake as well. Everything that you're saying is, is uh, I mean, just, exactly the way this is playing out and and having a sherpa such as yourself helping them see things that they can't see i think is the biggest challenge and and i would be curious to hear sort of your thoughts and also advice because as as you know and and maybe as some of the the people who are listening to this are starting to figure out is digital transformation is not necessarily an edict that comes from the top, right? There's not necessarily this grand vision from the C-suite with budget and resources for people to go execute this around a common vision. You have uh, 
sort of disparate plays throughout the organization. You know, maybe marketing is trying to um, you know keep pace with with the digital customer, yeah. and they're making yeah. these these investments. Maybe you have in more progressive organizations, HR doing the same with uh, recruiting and employee retention. Yeah. Uh, maybe you see this in 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 supply chain or or just mm-hmm. different facets, right? And so, how do you bring these efforts together, and and how do you organize that around a vision where people are actually working together to move the company in a, in a unified direction? I think that's that's an important point, and there's there's an inherent tension in in any effective organizational change between leadership and, and, and centralized focus versus uh, the more democratic or you know ground up customer facing uh, sort of source of ideas and new direction. Uh, I agree that I think uh, for the most part, in most cases, you do need from senior leadership, you need a mandate. And I think the role of senior leadership, in other words, to say we are serious about this, you will be supported. It's not so much what you don't want as senior leadership, as you say, uh, say, here's what we're going to do, and here's the budget, and here's the five-year plan, right? Because <laughs> there's too many different things here going on, and it makes much more sense. Marketing is going to see the challenge of the opportunity there. HR is going to understand how this is influencing recruiting, you know, product development, et cetera. Uh, it's going to have their own uh, issues and strategies and opportunities. But you need senior leadership to put this on the agenda uh, and to show that it's, it's about deeds, not words, You know, that they're actually going to change some fundamental things like um, how do we allocate funding? What are we measuring? How do people get promoted and recognized within the organization? Those are sort of the three fundamental um, stumbling blocks or building blocks, depending on if you get right or not, <laughs> to organizational change in large businesses from my observation. you know. So you need to set up a mechanism not to just say, oh, here's an X pool of money and let's blow burn through it like a, like a startup. You know, And I talk about that's actually one of the critical distinctions between startups and large enterprises. You know the, the the model of the lean startup, which has to be really translated to work for big business. They, you know, talk about the two P's: it's pivot or persevere. So, you know, the whole idea is you're developing a new idea, a new initiative, and either you keep going or you shift course and keep going. That's the only two options. And of course, you keep doing that. The end of the road is quite likely you're in your mother's basement. Um, <laughs> but you can't do that in an enterprise. You know, you don't want to say, here's a billion dollars, go out and do a digital transformation. You know, you want to set up a funding mechanism where you say, okay, here's how we're going to take money from existing profit centers and allocate them with the decision-making process and with the review process and with the exit strategies and so forth in place for new potential opportunities and assess them and, and let them you know, develop uh, ventures and decide which ones are, are paying off or not. But you need to be able to both incubate new ideas, which is very hard for large businesses, but you also need to be able to integrate them. You need to be able to both incubate new ideas, which is very hard for large businesses, but you also need to be able to integrate them. Uh, and that's the folly, as I said, of sort of the insulated little uh, idea lab in the corner is you, you set up a process where you actually are getting people who are creating interesting ideas, but you don't have a mechanism for taking the ones that prove out and work and show some impact on the business to really integrate them in broadly across the, the organization and say, okay, this is going to become part of how we work. Uh, so you really need to do both of those. So that's that's the kind of thing that I think is the, is the role of senior leadership. It is exactly, it is not to come up and say, this is our new customer-facing strategy and this is our new product roadmap and you know leave that to the product <laughs> development team. <laughs> right. uh, but it's to say, hey, here's how we're going to uh, change some of the rules we operate in order to support 
and and catalyze innovation on different fronts that are going to be identified and the agendas are going to be set by different parts of the organization. And here's how we're going to maybe break some of the log jams of politics that might have been holding back some of these changes uh, otherwise. I love that the log jam of politics. Right when we talk about digital transformation, I think part of the uh, the misnomer is the the digital in digital transformation, right? And we, yeah. we we tend to put our our technology goggles on and and invest in all of the latest yeah. trends. Digital is the cause or the, the the reason why we have to transform, but it's not what we need to transform. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not the solution. And it's then, the problem, and, but not the solution. It's like to be a little pessimistic. I know it's exactly the problem. In there lies sort of the beauty of this, right? There is. Uh, change because of behavior and because of technology, and you have, but you have some real human dilemmas that sort of greet any change agent within the organization, mm-hmm. which yeah. are politics, or self sabotage, or preservation, yeah. or you know. Yeah. But, but they're all they're all human. With the, the few minutes we have left, how do you see and how do you advise people who are saying trying to do the right thing, where wherever they are in the organization, how do they bring people together to get that executive support to 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 get to get the resources they need to start moving together. For example, if you have somebody in marketing and you have somebody in HR and you have somebody in sales and you have maybe somebody even in legal saying, my, my goodness, we're, we're so risk averse that we can't even, yeah. we can't even move forward. These mindsets that exist in the organization, how, how do they come together? I think risk aversion is an important topic, as you mentioned. Uh, it's, and it's one of the things I point to when I try to stress that there's not one sort of organizational model. You know, there, there's a range from the most sort of um, external, which would be something about the corporate venturing model, and you say we're going to invest in startups and and and, and try to uh, get a stake in in some of the promising ones and and, and bring them in house if they if they take off. Versus, uh, you know, the other extreme would be something like an Intuit model where. You not only have uh, innovation drivers within the company, but you have evangelists who are sort of training everyone in every division of the company to take a new approach to you know innovation or transformation. But the same models don't work for every business, and one of the key factors is is risk aversion, and you need to figure out um, you know how much risk can you tolerate, and it's going to likely be different in different parts of the organization. Uh, you know, classic examples: financial services. You do not want to be applying the same risk model and risk tolerance to efforts that are focused on uh, cybersecurity, for example, versus uh, efforts that are focused on uh, evolving what's the next stage consumer experience of sort of, you know, retail, so to speak, banking. That's a case where you can take a lot of risks and you want to try a lot of ideas and expect that many of them won't work until you find some that that really click. Not so much projecting financial (laughs) data of your customers. Very different. So knowing your risk tolerance, you know, I think senior leadership needs to give give support. But again, to this question of democratization, I think the ideas are, are going to come from within the organization. And it's not a matter of everybody has to be on board at the start. You know, that's another mm-hmm. thing. It's very important to get visible wins and build momentum within the organization. What you need is to have some successes where uh, people are given the room to stick their neck out and those who do are supported uh, whether every idea they pursue uh, succeeds or not. And then people start to realize, okay, this organization, the company is really serious about this and I can I can stick my neck out as well. Uh, you know, there are different mechanisms for this, but I talk about in the book about, you know, uh, planning for failure and celebrating it, celebrating smart failure. I don't believe in failing fast. I believe in failing smart. 
uh, and that means you have to fail. Yes, as early as possible, but also as cheaply as possible, but also you need to take the learning from the failure and both use it to inform your, your strategy uh, and, that's very important for big organizations, share it across the organization, which is something big companies never do. Every failure is a dead body buried you know, in the closet. <laughs> it's like the cask of Amontillado. You, you build the, the, the wall of bricks up around it so no one will see it. Um, so you know, a company like Tata uh, as one of the ones that I, I cite talking about how they've really developed a process of, you know, they have their innovation awards. This is across their, all their business units. You know, this is a huge global company. And every year they're, they're celebrating excellence, competing for excellence. And it's, it's like a product, uh, uh, product innovation, service innovation, business process innovation, different, a few like major categories. And then there's a category called the dare to try award which is for the, the most bold uh, and uh, well-done failure. You know, the, boldly trying an idea that simply didn't work out, but, but uh, supporting that it was a great uh, attempt. And the first year they ran that, like nobody, they had like two uh, applications compared to like hundreds for the others. But they really showed the senior leadership, uh, said, this is, this is legit. And they put them on stage with everyone else and talked about how amazing it was what they had done. And now it's one of the most commonly applied for awards in their, in their annual ceremony. So that's the kind of leadership we need from the top. It's a different model than the old idea of leadership, which is that it's about rallying the troops to crush the enemy who's, you know, as a symmetric competitor with the same business model as you. And it's all about, you know, zero sum competition and we're going to be the best. That's not really what leadership looks like in the digital era. I don't know, David. I, I, I think that's a perfect place to to end this this discussion because that in of itself was a rally to get people together to realize that taking chances, you know, the word failure, I think, has carried negative connotations for far too long when, in fact, all we're really trying to do is try new things and learn yeah. from it. And that really is where companies can begin. It's, it's something as simple as empowering people to just start doing what they believe in, supporting them, learning from it, and obviously not failing to the point where costs the organization dearly, but I, you know, you can't, you can't move forward if you stay put and yeah. to move forward. I think that just that advice there at the end was, was fantastic. So David, I wish you all the success with your book. It, Thank sounds, you, Brian. it sounds like everybody needs to read this and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Great. Folks can find out more information if they're curious or even get a chapter at the website, which is digitaltransformationplaybook.com. And uh, thanks so much, Brian, for having me on. Thanks for listening to BMC's Digital Outliers, a series dedicated to sharing the changes the modern workplace is undergoing via digital technology. BMC Software is a global leader that partners with companies committed to becoming digital powerhouses. Follow us on Twitter at BMC Software and at BMC underscore DSM.